Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. Today's conversation is an excellent one. I'm bringing on my president over here at Builder Funnel, Danielle Russell, and we are going to do a deep dive into some tactical things around attracting and retaining top talent for your remodeling, your building company. Over the last 18 months, we've gone through some pretty rapid growth here. And I know it's been the same for a lot of you listening. We really want to dive in and basically I'm going to kind of put Danielle in the spotlight and have her share a lot of the things that we've put in place, a lot of the steps that we've taken to really try to manage that growth and continue to enable future growth so that we don't hit a slowdown and that we're setting ourselves up for not only today, but tomorrow and and next year and several years down the road. So I think you'll really get a lot out of this conversation. There's some great just kind of high-level points, and then there's some really good tactical things that uh, that we go through that you'll be able to hopefully adapt for your own company. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hey, Danielle, welcome back. Thanks for having me, as always. Yeah. You know, for those of you listening, we we talk a lot, but you don't get to listen in on all those conversations. But today you do get to listen in on one. We've been hearing from, gosh, it seems like almost everybody, you know, one of the top challenges right now is finding good labor, finding good talent. So we wanted to kind of just open up a conversation that we have, I don't know, it's it's always going on around this topic, which is how do we attract good people? How do we retain good people? But man, Danielle, it's been a crazy last 18 months, huh? <laughs> yeah. it's What's even crazier is I don't think we pause enough to really reflect on how much happened in such a short amount of time and how drastically it happened, really. Not only just like hiring, but so much beyond that. So I'm glad we are going to take some time to not only reflect, but talk through some of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny as you say that I'm going, you know, part of these podcasts is for us too. You know, obviously we hope you guys get a ton of value out of this, but it's kind of that, what you just said, pausing and reflecting going, you know, what we talked about doing all these things, what did we actually do? So let's maybe start there, you know, just for context, since March of 2020 on like the hiring and retention front, you know, hit us up with some stats. Yeah. So to set the scene, first of all, just for some context, In March of 2020, I think we had nine full-time employees, somewhere like between seven and nine. Nine was Uh, the number I had in my head too. Yeah. Yeah. And since then, we've hired 18 people and 15 of them are still with us in that amount of time since March of 2020. So I had to do some digging, make sure I had those numbers right because I was not expecting that. (laughs) 
Yeah, I wasn't either. I, I had jotted down that question. <laughs> I figured it was going to be like 10 or something like that. So yeah, that's that's a lot of people in a short amount of time, especially you know for a company like us where we've been at this 11 years. So we were kind of hitting that 10 month or 10 year mark last year and just getting to about you know nine, nine or 10 people or whatever it was. And then to go through that you know, rapid growth and rapid hiring process. We definitely had to make a lot of intentional moves. So kind of want to break some of those down and just talk about like, first, what have you done to kind of attract the right type of people? Because obviously you don't just want any old 18 people just jumping on board. Yeah, this is, there are so many layers to this question. I'm glad that you pointed out that this is helpful for us too. It's almost like a little therapy session where we get to talk about like, look at all these things that we did in such a short amount of time. And like, how did we get here? Where are we going now? But one of the decisions that you made before any of this even happened, fortunately for us, was really being able to divide your role so that I was focused on the day-to-day operations and getting everything done. So you could be freed up to focus on growth and continuing sales and product development, that whole side. So just having one person whose sole focus was figuring this out was a huge piece of that puzzle that I don't think enough people talk about that it is a full-time job and it takes creativity. It takes so much communication and follow-up and learning. And that doesn't get enough credit right there. That if you are the owner of a business, first of all, and you don't have a second in command or someone who's really focusing on attracting and retaining top talent, that's a huge piece of the puzzle that's missing. In my yeah. Mind. Yeah. It took, it took me a lot longer than I wish it had to figure that out. Cause yeah, as soon as we did that and we kind of divided the the house, so to speak, you know, to more like operations and growth. Yeah. It, in a way, everything I don't want to say easier, but it just got more clear, you know, like you were focused on, on that side. And then I could push marketing and sales a lot more, which kind of spurs the need for more of the hiring retaining piece. And, and I know when I was doing both of those roles, you focus on marketing and sales, you, you grow, you land new projects, new clients, whatever your business is, you know, and then you go, okay, now I need to hire. So then you shift gears and it takes a lot of brain energy and a lot of momentum building. And then you kind of stop focusing on marketing and sales. And so I feel like that's why you end up really getting stuck or you kind of go through these cycles of up and down and you you can't just propel forward. So yeah, that that certainly helps. So what what else? You said there's multiple layers to this question. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the pieces of your role also is really defining our core values and what our culture needed to look like, not just today, but tomorrow, in two years, in five years, in 10 years. Because if we don't know what we want Builder Funnel to be in 10 years, how can I start hiring the right people today, first of all? So that was another thing that was really under your hat that set me up for success and starting to attract and hire and retain the top talent that we needed to grow at such a quick pace. So I would be remiss if we didn't talk about core values and how that plays into what we've been building here. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good point. And it's kind of interesting, you know, for, for me, I feel like I'm the classic 
visionary. You're very much a integrator type role. If you guys haven't read Traction and then the, the follow-up is Rocket Fuel. Rocket Fuel, it was just like light bulb after light bulb when I was reading that book because he basically breaks down those roles as you know, hey, the person that's setting the vision and the destination. And that person usually struggles like in the weeds or even in the, you know, the system building or system following. I'm okay at building systems. I'm really terrible at following those systems. Whereas that's, you know, an area that you really shine. You're like, okay, give me some direction, give me some boundaries and then just run. And so, yeah, I guess just to flip it back, like I laid out some of those things like the vision and the core values and the the mission statement and some of those, but that's an area where I fall flat in the like daily, weekly implementation or focus on those. And you're going to, I think we'll talk about that a little later, but that's where you really were able to take that and turn it into, okay, these aren't just words on a wall. It's like, what do we do? Are we living them? Are we breathing them? So yeah, we, we can dig into that a little bit later, but what are some of these other layers here? <laughs> this question. Yeah. So this might be much more specific to us, but I do think this still applies in every industry right now. But the adaptability to figure out remote culture and how to translate not just like who we are in an office space and those core values, how they play out in an office space and when we're always together. But what does that look like when now for us, we started hiring full-time remote employees who had never even lived in Colorado Springs, which previously everyone had at least lived in the Springs and worked in the office, even if for a year before moving away. So we already had some of that remote culture component in place, but solving for now new teammates have no shared memories with anyone on the team. They're totally remote. They have only ever been in their home office while working for Builder Funnel and figuring out how do we start sharing memories? How do we bring people into the fold of our like fun facts and getting to know each other and how do you feel like you're part of a team and see what you're doing every single day matters to the end result and helps our clients grow, our team grow, our company grow. How do you do that full-time remote now? So that was another huge obstacle that we ran into and solved for quickly, fortunately, because we already had a little bit of, we'd already dipped our toes in. But now it was like we were diving in headfirst and we were hiring almost 18 people full-time remote and, or yeah, in such a short amount of time. Yeah. 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 Basically a person a month and yeah, all, all remote. Yeah. So basically, you know, splitting operations and growth was one part of it, you know, having defined culture and core values, figuring out remote culture, anything else and kind of to set the same. And then we're going to dive into all of these because there's really tactical things I think that people can take away from, from each one. Yeah. I would also say playing into that adaptability, but knowing that you're just going to have to test and learn things as you go, because I wish I could say I knocked it out of the park on the first try. And in many cases we did, but there's also just, you don't, when you don't know what's happening in the future, in the marketplace, in the industry, in digital marketing and construction technology, right? You can't hire all the right people out the gate because you don't have a full hand of cards in front of you. So you're just kind of learning as you go and you have to be open to that, to figuring out who are the right people. Maybe it's not even like necessarily the right skill sets yet, but if this person is willing to learn and develop those skill sets, but they 
are bought in and believe in what you're doing and care about the team, what's that balance, right? How, which way does the scale tip? And then, like we said, thinking about not just what do we need today and tomorrow to keep growing Builder Funnel and help our clients be successful, but also to five, 10 years from now, what does that look like? And who do we need on the team now to get us there then? Yeah, I think one of the things in there that I like to highlight is the kind of who, like finding the right person, even if they don't have all the skills or they, you know, they have some of them or they have some basics. We've always kind of taken that approach of just like develop within. And you do have people that end up leaving, you know, because they're looking for faster growth or it puts them on a trajectory like they learn a whole bunch and then they find they can go somewhere else and continue their path or they just found out that, hey, this wasn't their passion or whatever it was. And so you do have churn through that process. But to your point, like the people that are bought into the mission and the vision and the culture, they learn the skills and they'll and they're motivated to learn the skills and develop those skills. And then you get that like compounding nature of time, you know, where they just have a lot of context about your company, plus they're compounding all these skills. And obviously we have a culture that is very much growth oriented in terms of like personal improvement. So I think that that tends to, I don't know, keep that cycle going. At this point in the game, it would be, I don't think I could go to just like, oh, we need this amazing skill. This person has it, just go get them. And then I hope that they'll fit in because we've had some people that weren't a good culture fit and they just don't last long and it just ends up not working out and it brings the rest of the team down. And so it ends up, you, you think you're getting something really positive and it ends up having so many more negative side effects. So yeah, just interesting because you always think, oh, skill, I need skill. And you hear that a lot in Ramada. I need skilled labor. I need skilled talent. Yes, but maybe maybe it's time to build those training programs and bring people from the ground up. Okay. So those are kind of like some big steps that we've taken. What do you feel like the result has been? You said like some things have gone well, but maybe other things haven't, you know, we we don't have a full hand of cards or however you, you phrased it. Yeah. I don't know if I said that right. I'm notoriously bad at like common phrases. Yeah. I think some of, there've been a lot of results. One that, one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn because I think I'm, like you said, I'm an integrator and I like to get things done and I thrive off of solving and moving forward. And so one of the biggest lessons I had to learn was that builder funnels can't be everything to everyone. And you can read that in a million books and be like, yeah, obviously. But then all of a sudden when you're hiring and you're trying to attract and retain talent kind of goes in one ear and out the other because all of a sudden it's like, what did I do wrong? Why, what can I do to solve for this one little thing that is the reason this person is saying they want, they're looking at other options, for example. So being able to recognize that you, it's okay to be the right solution for your clients and for the team who does stay and to just make sure you're always improving, you're continuously pushing your team to grow and become the best versions of themselves. And if that's that's what it's all about at Builder Funnel, that might not be everywhere, right? Again, you can't be everything to everyone, but really 
being okay with that was probably my first biggest and hardest lesson that I had to learn when I had to adapt to hiring quickly and building these training systems and onboarding processes so quickly is we are the best solution for many clients and many people on our team. That's enough. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing because you can you, a lot of people strive, you know, strive for perfection. Like, okay, we're going to make every single client like super pumped, you know, and every team member is going to be like super happy. And, you know, in reality, it just doesn't work out that way. You know, I'm sure all of you guys have those project horror stories where you got that one client that's just a total, you know, pain or it just doesn't go how you thought it was going to go, you know, maybe on, on one side or both sides or combination. And then same with, with team members, like you have to make that strategic bet. Like you take them through a hiring process. I feel like we put people through like six or seven interviews. I don't know what it is in total, but it's, it's a lot. And you're looking for all those things like culture, core values. Are they going to fit in? Are they motivated? Are they, you know, self-starter? Do they have the skills? You know, you're looking for red flags. We look for orange flags. Like, and then at the end of the day, You've only had, what is it, you know, five hours, seven hours total with the team time and this individual. And then you you got to make a call, yes or no. And I think some people even do it after an hour or two. You know, they do one or two interviews. And they're like, all right, which is scary to me because I feel like we used to do that. And, you know, it didn't work out as well. But yeah, at the end of the day, you're making strategic bets. So I think that's a good good point. You know, like had a lot of successes, but we also miss, you know, and you're, you're going to miss sometimes. Yeah, what else have you learned over the last 18 months? Part of that also, just to like keep digging into that a little bit more, is I'm an adaptable person. So I can adapt our core values and like the culture around, I guess, what I'm looking for, if that makes any sense. But there are times when you shouldn't do that, right? Like in interviews, that's the time to really live the culture that you've been advertising. So when people who, let's say they've been attracted because they've been following us on Instagram or connected with me on LinkedIn and they're seeing everything I'm posting about Builder Funnel and our core values and our culture and the team. And then if they say something that is, let's say it's a yellow or an orange flag and I'm like, well, I could adapt this core value around that. You are, you do always want to be learning about whatever, for example, that's the exact wrong time (laughs) to start getting soft on who, who you are and who you're trying to attract because these People who are going through these interviews are taking a risk also. They are trying to find the company that they want to work at. And as long as I am super firm and representative on what our culture is, what we're looking for, who we are today, who we're going to be, then that will attract the right people who are bought into that and who want to be a part of that movement. And I don't need to go and like adapt to what they're looking for into five, 10 years, right? I will just naturally be attracting and talking to the people who are already bought into what we're doing here now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a a great point. All right, I want to shift gears and get into some more tactical stuff. We kind of talked about different steps that you've taken, you know, trying to figure out the remote culture. We obviously hire with the basis around core values and and culture and then look for skills after. I'm just curious, like what... What have you put in place or what has the team put in place just on like a daily, weekly, monthly rhythm that are things that connect in those core values or the culture and and especially 
remote or not, you know, but those things that help kind of bond people together. Yeah. I mean, number one is culture. So I'm going to dig into that a little bit. And even in this instance, I had the opportunity to learn that I can't do everything. And sometimes things are done far better when I'm sharing that ownership with everyone on the team. So for example, core values is a huge piece of our culture. And it was clear at some point when we were hiring very quickly that there was less of an emphasis on a few of the core values just because because we were hiring so rapidly and I was trying to do everything, right? So a really fun piece of feedback that I got around that was on our daily stand-up meeting. If on Tuesdays, we recognize ourselves for a core value that we're living and we get to kind of give ourselves recognition in front of the whole team. And then on Thursdays, we recognize someone else on the team for a core value that they're living. But every single, twice a week, we are recognizing ourselves for the core values and other people on the team. But we are saying those core values so much. And just by saying them, we're, it's not that we weren't living them before, but we are now seeing it in every single thing that we do. We're looking for opportunities to shout people out and to live the core values ourselves. And that was something I had to let go of the reins on that and accept feedback and let other people take the lead on that. And it has been incredible to see. It's been so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a fun one. We do a daily stand-up meeting just for context. So it's every day. It's about 15 minutes. But yeah, the the Tuesday, Thursdays have been more centered around the core values. And yeah, I, it's funny hearing you describe that as a lesson because I realized that I had to give up a lot of the like operation stuff and like, and then, then you do that way better than I was doing. And I, I feel like that happens at a lot of those growth levels where if you feel like you're in that state of overwhelm or you're just like, things aren't clicking, like you probably need to delegate some things and release, like you said, release ownership, you know, cause you would shout people out, but you're not seeing everything that's going on and you're not in all the meetings and, and there's no way you can be. And so, yeah, it's, it's been super rewarding to see other people shouting out each other for different things. And then you're learning about what's going on. You're like, Oh, that's cool. And, and it gets you more jazzed about what your whole company is doing too, because you kind of get that, that insight as well. Absolutely. And that was another one of those lessons of starting to hire full-time remote. And we had, so the more tenured teammates had this vision of what Builder Funnel is because we'd been in the office together. We all knew each other. We were all super close, had these shared memories together, right? And then starting to hire full-time remote, there was a different vision and a little bit of a disconnect of what our culture was and what the core values meant to people who had never been in the office before. So. We solved for that in multiple ways, but that was really powerful feedback to be able to really like rein in, here are the core values, they're front and center, and I want everybody to be talking about them on stand-up. So great feedback from a powerhouse leader on our team. Another big piece of culture that I had to implement this year is just really looking at my communication skills. When you have a team that goes from nine to we're almost, we're at 22, you can't just like there's not, I can share information on standup, right? But the odds that everyone is on that meeting anymore and that everyone is always engaged in listening to me at that point, the team's just not the right size for a one-time announcement on standup, right? So now I have bi-weekly newsletters. I will have one-off emails to the entire team if it's 
like a big change and then it's reiterated in the following newsletter. I have client newsletters now because if you can imagine that we went from nine to 22 teammates, I'm sure you can imagine how many clients we gained in that time frame too. So the level of communication and really thinking about how I'm delivering and how many times and all the different modes of communication has really, that rhythm has really had to change. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, we've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. That's an interesting one because it's not necessarily one you would think of with with growth. But also, even if you're a smaller team, if you go back and rewind, you go, well, yeah, maybe I should have also at least had a couple, you know, modes or methods, you know, maybe announcing it, you know, in one meeting, it doesn't always sink in. So having a, you know, an email or a, you know, Slack or newsletter, whatever it is. But yeah, definitely the more, the more moving parts, communication has to has to go way, way up. And I know in the, you know, for remodeling construction space right now. I mean, adding lots of projects, you got more demand than you've probably ever had, probably have a lot of new team members or subs or whoever it is. And yeah, whenever you have more pieces, you need to either like up level and or like streamline how that communication is done. I think that's a good point. What else? Events. The fun stuff, right? Um, not always fun, but like very mostly fun. You know, we did, we do monthly happy hours virtually. So a lot of games and Jackbox TV, that kind of stuff. Another thing that I had to give up control of hosting all of them. And now I pair up two teammates who don't work together every day and they plan it together. And they have been a million times better than I ever could have done, right? We have our book club. So we have monthly book club meetings. We have our weekly, we call it jam session, but basically training the team. So one person on the team is teaching us all something new for an hour. We have passion projects. We have community outreach. We adapted a trail in Garden of the Gods. We'll go and clean that up. Those events that really tie the team together. I know I keep harping on this, but those shared memories and being able to like really know each other, not just nine to five Spencer, but like, who are you? What do you care about outside of our four walls, our four virtual walls, and caring about who the team is inside and outside of work. And these events are the best way to really get to know each other outside of a work context. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, you mentioned the shared experiences a couple of times. And I feel like it was uh, Kelly on our team that mentioned that last year. So I think we had just, she had just come on a few months prior and then we did a company retreat. We were up in the mountains last August and that was like the first chance for a lot of remote team members to meet each other, but meet the office team and just all of us to connect in person. And I feel like that was when it came up. She's like, yeah, the, the culture of builder funnel really like sank in around that time. Cause you just get, I like, uh, I forget who it, who it is. Oh, it's Seinfeld. He calls it garbage time. But he's like, I like the garbage time. That's just this, we're hanging out. It's unstructured. You know, you're talking about whatever you're doing, whatever. And you just get into these conversations, stuff starts, you know, happening. You, you connect at a deeper level. And I feel like that triggered a lot of those shared experiences for those, team members, but I literally had never thought about it that way. You just start going and we had people in the office and you just start hiring and, and then, you know, we had people go remote, but they, they, like you said, had those shared experiences before because they were in the office and then to go to full-time remote, but even for any new people, they don't have all those shared experiences. So I think anything you can do to encourage those faster, quicker, you know, with more people on the team, that adds a lot of those like sticking points just with the people. It's like, I like being with these people. I like knowing about these people. And I, that's something I never would have guessed in, until it just like hit us over the head. And I'm glad she mentioned it. Yeah. Yep. Shout out to Kelly for always be teaching. Yeah. Always, always be teaching. teaching. <laughs> How we can improve. All right. Uh, well, let's hit, hit a couple more that maybe you just really excited about or cool things that maybe other people could adapt those ideas. And then I want to move on to, maybe some tactical things that we can give, you know, remodelers that are maybe struggling to find talent. I think being able to recognize that different things motivate different people, right? So for some, it's growth opportunity, knowing that they can come to your company and that you do promote from within. You invest in training and developing people. You have review processes so that they know where they stand and how they're doing and how they can improve. There's that open communication with their supervisors. Growth doesn't just have to mean upward mobility all the time. It can also mean mastery opportunity, right? Our strategist role, you can be in that role for five years and still be encountering new things, not just in the digital marketing realm and what we are doing tactically, but also new types of clients, training new specialists on your in your pod, on your team. There's always something new happening. Developing trust in the team and in leadership, I think that's super important. That was another big lesson in why I had to increase my level of communication and my modes of communication. Because when you have 22 people instead of nine, there's a lot more takes more communication to get everyone on the same page and to understand big picture and recognize that not everybody sees my spreadsheets and what's going on in my head, right? I have to be able to communicate that and people in a way that people trust me and put their trust in me and choose to stay at Builder Funnel to see it out. Appreciation, I think, is a really overlooked one. It's so simple, but even those Thursday shout outs for the teammates and Friday wins, on stand-up also, people will shout one another. 
shout out one another. And it's it's really powerful to see the excitement around recognizing people on the team and cool things they're doing for clients, for the team, for builder funnel marketing, being hired full-time from the internship, being promoted from specialist to strategist. We're constantly shouting one another out. And that level of appreciation, I think, is harder to achieve the larger you get. So it has to be very intentional. And some of that ownership has to be on junior leaders across the team. And it has to come from everyone. It can't just be you and I always recognizing people and shouting them out and letting them know we appreciate them. Some other ways to show appreciation too, through surprises. For example, we had to fire a client because it just wasn't working for either of us. It wasn't, we weren't the right solution for them. And we tried to be, and again, getting away from like what Builder Funnel does best. So it wasn't the right solution. So amicable parting, but I wanted to shout out the team that tried so hard to retain them and to adapt and to be the best solution for this client. And just sending out a $20 gift card. I mean, I got a teary thank you for that, for showing my a little surprise appreciation and just the recognition that thank you for working on this for so long. We couldn't have gotten this far without you. And just paying attention, things like that. Hearing other people shout out one another and really, I take notes. I write down when other people are shouting people out for things that I wasn't aware of so I can follow up and also Slack that person or text that person and say, hey, that's so cool. Thank you for doing that. Can you tell me more about it? So the team knows I'm interested in them and I care about all these things they're doing, even if I don't see them. I want them to keep doing the right thing, even when I'm not looking. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting as you're describing this, uh, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is another one of those like classic, perfect examples of... I know to do that and just don't execute on that. So perfect, like integrator versus visionary. Again, like if you guys haven't read rocket fuel, I highly recommend it, but like my wife's really good at this. Like she already knows like all of the Christmas gifts that we're getting in July because she's like, yeah, haven't you just been paying attention and like listening to what people have said? Like they need this, they want this. <laughs> and it's the same, like you're just describing that. I'm going, yeah, you're, you're seeing these things. You're kind of identifying, you're taking note, you know, and then it's the acknowledgement of that. And it's like very simple, but you do, it does take intention, you know, to your point. So yeah, I really, I like that example because it can go a long way because people can just be sitting there doing their job, working really hard, and they feel like nothing's being noticed. And that's just the acknowledgement. Like, I see you. I appreciate you. It doesn't have to be a huge monetary thing. It probably doesn't even have to be monetary. It's just that acknowledgement. And so, yeah, I love that. Well, let's let's shift gears and talk about maybe some tactical things that people can be doing. Hopefully, at this point, you've heard several things that we're doing or have tried or in the process of doing that you can adapt for yourself or try out. I think it has to be authentic to your culture and your core values. So don't just like copy paste, you know, and figure it'll work. But I think a lot of these are generic enough that you can kind of apply the template and test it out for yourself. But anything that you've been thinking about, just our our audience of remodelers, our industry, like they're going through a lot right now. What are some steps to start attracting and or just retaining and making sure they keep their really strong people and they don't lose them. 
Yeah. Well, that last bit, you really nailed it. That's the the takeaway lesson. But if we're applying the inbound marketing methodology to attracting and hiring and retaining the right people on your team, not just the right customers, right? So starting with brand awareness and just gaining more attention, increasing that traffic and that viewership. So more people know what you're doing. Anybody who identifies with what you're doing is going to be more willing to either connect their network with you or to share what you're doing, or maybe they're just waiting for that right opportunity to reach out to you. So one of the bigger shifts that we've made is really focusing on our brand awareness on our social media platforms and talking a lot more about the team and what we're doing behind the scenes what our core values are, what we are thankful for on Thursdays, who we're following on Follow Fridays, all of those kinds of... It's like a sneak peek of what it's like to be at Builder Funnel and be a part of Builder Funnel. And it's always surprising to me on interviews, I'll hear people directly referencing posts on Instagram or a story or something I shared on LinkedIn that they then read more about. And it's incredible that people actually are clicking and reading. It, like it might feel a little like frou-frou, like, yeah, oh, post something on Instagram about your your core values, but it has been working for us. People care. Yeah, they care, care about, they, they want to work for a company that they feel like they can be a part of and it's got a community that they enjoy as well as has the growth opportunity and you know all those other components. But yeah, today people are really, especially younger generation, they're looking for those other components, like the holistic package. So yeah, I think it can, like you said, sound frou-frou, but it, like, it's legit, you know, really think about it. Yeah, people want to feel like they matter. And when they see how much everyone on our team matters to one another and to our clients, I think that's a game changer. And it's been so fun to include our Teammate Tuesday videos and client newsletters, stuff like that, and have clients comment on our LinkedIn posts saying how much they love working with that person, right? It's So it's not just showcasing that we love our team, but our clients love our team and our team loves working with our clients. It's just this very healthy ecosystem, really, of respect yeah. and appreciation and like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. It's, I mean, it's got to be it all comes back to that authenticity piece, but don't be afraid to share it, you know, share it out there because that's what you will attract people that like that kind of stuff or resonate with that kind of stuff. They will be drawn to it and the people that don't won't. And that's okay. Totally <laughs> so, fine. Yep. You don't want to have seven hours worth of team interviews with them anyway. Yeah. Totally. Not a good bit to start. So another big actual like tactic that we've been employing is nurturing sequences and really thinking through, I mean, for some people that means an applicant tracking system. And especially if you have a larger company, that's definitely, if you're not investing in that, that's certainly worth saving you the time, especially if you don't have an integrator and you're doing this still, then you need an applicant tracking system where you're following up with people consistently and you know where good talent is coming from, all of that kind of stuff. When you have people on the team who are committed to interviewing and who get energy out of that, then switching to more of the like a nurture sequence process. So for me, 
I'm usually the first interview, which that's either really intimidating or really motivating for a lot of people that I'm taking the time out of my day to sit down and talk to them about what their goals are, what they're looking for in their next role and the next company they work with, what core value do they really identify with that builder funnel and really getting to know them. And then I'm passing them to the next set of people who are asking questions more related to skills, for example. So we're really working them into our pipeline. And then also we have some marketing systems where we have nurture emails going out to them. So between interviews, they're learning more about Builder Funnel. They're learning more about other opportunities on the team, our core values, our retreat, all the other things that are important to Builder Funnel as a culture. Yeah. Yeah. That whole piece is a beast. I mean, it's almost like, you know, following up with all of your leads and keeping track of where they are. And that, you know, it's just a different side of the the coin where you're saying, Hey, we've got potential people that want to come work here, but we're trying to find, find the best fit, you know? So yeah, I think that's really good. Let's talk about kind of like once you bring those people on, cause obviously, you know, we've, we've gone through rapid change there in terms of you know, you used to like handhold that first person, you know, you would do all that first training when everyone came on, but that was when we were hiring like one or two people a year or whatever it was, not one person a month. Yeah. What what does that look like now? Or what are some good tactical things that people should be considering in the onboarding section? I remember when I was the point of contact for every hire for their first 90 days, it was, I had the time. And I had the space to do that. I had the brain space. We had the capacity. Now we have a team of senior leaders who are participating, but not just in like the, a classic one-on-one format, but we have basically dumped our brains into a video training system. And we have tracks based on what role someone would be starting in. So that can include if they're brand new starting in this role, if they're being promoted to another role. We have all of that in place. We also have the support of HubSpot as the marketing platform that we use. They also have courses and certifications. We can send people down those learning tracks. So they're always learning new things and building out new subject matter expertise. Thinking through the tech stack and how much that has changed in our onboarding process, just making sure people have the right tools and resources to be successful in their roles is huge. Thinking about who's doing the training, are they someone who's super bought in or are they just the next person who is just successful at being onboarded, right? Thinking through long-term, who do you want having their hands on your next generation of talent if you're trying to really onboard them and retain them and keep developing them? And what is their impression of Builder Funnel in those first 90 days? That's so powerful and impactful when they're seeing everyone on the team shouting each other out for core values and seeing pictures in our newsletter from our annual retreat or like this week is virtual inbound and everybody on the team got tickets to that and is attending and slacking about it in our internal chat system, right? So making sure that everybody really feels a part of the team from day one. Yeah, I think that's really good. There's a lot in there that was good, but I want to rewind to the the beginning just to highlight one thing. You talked about like downloading our brains and creating like training tracks. That was 
one of the more difficult things I feel like we did in the last 12 or 14 months, but also probably one of the most valuable things that we did. And we we got our leadership group together. We took a whole week or most most of a week, you know, off and on with some meetings and stuff, but really nailed down all those SOPs, the processes, the who needs to learn what and when, which roles need which pieces and which pieces do they need to learn first to make them most productive. But then, you know, that's twofold because when they're most productive, they feel the best because they're like, wow, I'm new and I'm already doing stuff and contributing and kind of like factoring in all of those things. And then we just all shot and recorded videos and uploaded them into our internal system. And that was a bear of a project, but I didn't want you to breeze over like the detail of that, because I would highly recommend that for anybody listening. Like if you have roles that you are, well, any role, you really should create it for any role, but especially the ones that you're hiring and training for most often or will need in the near future, it will save you so much time, so much time. And people can refer back to it, you know? So it's like, hey, if there's a perfect way to do it, like here's the way. And then if people need re retraining on it, send them back to that and then do some follow-up and see if they have questions, but then you're not in the weeds one-on-one. So, all right, any any final thoughts to wrap us up and then we'll, we'll move to the last segment. Retention. <laughs> I know that was kind of the, your last mic drop queuing up this whole section, but thinking about retaining your team, it's the decisions you make today aren't necessarily just geared towards retaining the team that you have today, but thinking about who you will be retaining in the future. So when you're making those big decisions, when you're sending out those newsletters and communicating, when you're sharing core values and shouting out teammates, all of these things, the end goal is that you're retaining the right people on your team, that you will be successful in 10 years with the people who you have on your team, who you are attracting and retaining right now. So you can be doing all of the steps before this and then not focusing on that retention piece and you're still going to keep bleeding people and you're going to have to keep hiring and feel like you're getting nowhere. So the retention piece is probably the biggest piece of the puzzle and certainly the trickiest one because like we've been saying, everyone's different and everybody is motivated by different things. People feel appreciated by different gestures And you have to genuinely care about your team and have the leadership in place that cares about the team and is bought in and wants to retain people. Yes. Yeah. And it's retention of team is one of those things where like, if you just kind of talk about it up up high level, you're like, yeah, of course it's important. Like, and then when you want to focus on that, you know, whether it's training time, you know, setting up those training resources, thinking about benefits, thinking about the events, shared experiences, like a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, a lot of it takes intentionality, time, effort, sometimes dollars, you know, and you're like, these things are all taken away from just production, right? Like getting jobs done, like moving things forward. But if you really want to like break it down and look at it from a more of a monetary perspective and take out like the so-called frou-frou-y part of it or whatever, Think about like hiring somebody on and then having them be there for six months to a year and then leaving. You're probably looking at like a lost six months plus 
to then have to rehire, retrain, and re-get somebody up to actual like production level speed, it's probably longer. You know, so if you think about the cost of that, nominal investments into retention are well, well worth it from that perspective. And just the fact that like all of your time lost of posting the job, like hiring all any team members that hire, like running them through screening, all those things, it just sucks you away from growth. So if you if you want the like if you want to run some numbers on that for your own business like that, that should back it up. But yeah, to your point, like retention is is so critical. A really quick yes yeah. and on that is the classic saying of you're most likely spending way too much of your time on the people who aren't working out. So if you're shifting that mindset and pouring into the people who are engaged and who have high attendance on team meetings and are shouting out everyone on the team, the people who are really pushing your culture forward and they're a pillar of culture, they're always learning, they're engaged, all of the above. Those are the people who deserve your attention. If someone's struggling, of course, help them out. But make sure that that's not taking all of your attention away from the people who are killing it day in and day out. Well said. Well said. All right, let's move to the fast five and we'll wrap up. All right, Danielle, I'll hit you with five rapid fire questions. Say whatever comes to mind. First question, favorite business book and why? A recommendation from you after having read Traction and Rocket Fuel and Who Not How. So first, shout out to those. They're good lead-ins to this. That's cheating. But Your Next Five Moves by Patrick Bet David. Fantastic book in everything that we're talking about right now, making decisions for in 10 years, not just tomorrow, right? So looking at all of the ripple effects of your decisions. Love it. Yep. That's a good one. All right. Who is the most inspirational person in your life? I'm going to be honest. I'm really glad you sent me this one in advance because I had to think long and hard about this one. My dad. My dad moved to the US in his late 20s and he didn't know the language. He didn't have a job. He had to just come here and do it and raise two kids. And he taught me Hebrew growing up. He taught me all about Judaism, taught me how to be really proud of who I am and just that level of motivation and dedication to myself and my development unparalleled because of the values he instilled in me. Awesome. Very cool. All right. If you could have one superpower, what would that be? Languages. I don't know if this is a real superpower. I had. I think it is, though. I think it is. So just <laughs> you, you knowing all languages, basically? Yes. Yeah. I don't want to read people's minds. So it's not that level of communication. That would be my nightmare. But being able to communicate with anyone in their language. Cool. All right. Describe yourself in three words. Do hyphens count? Hyphenated words. Is that Yeah, sure. We'll give it to you. Yeah. Growth mindset. One. Dedicated and authentic. All right. Final question. If you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? Don't take everything personally. It is not about you. People are making decisions for themselves. It feels like it's about you. It isn't. Excellent. Good final thoughts there. All right, Danielle, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me and good luck to everyone out there. Keep attracting and hiring and retaining. You will see the value year over year. 
Hey, you guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Lots of good stuff in there. There's lots of things to think about when growing a business. Obviously, you guys know that very well. We've been going through that for the last 18 months, couple of years. Anyway, I like to pull out takeaways just like uh, we do with every single episode. So really, in my mind, there were a few things that stood out from this conversation. And the first one is just being able to hire around core values and think about implementing those core values within your daily, weekly you know, meetings, kind of those regular cadences. What we've discovered is that is a much better path trying to hire and train and develop around core values and fill in the gaps for skill set versus hiring for skill set and then trying to mash a whole bunch of people together that aren't in alignment around those core values or the culture that you're building or kind of the vision and mission for the company. So that's a big one. If you don't have core values, it's definitely a worthwhile exercise. Um, If you do have them, I would say, you know, look at how you're actually using them, talking about them, presenting them in that regular cadence so that they don't just kind of become those words on a wall and they're actually things that you live and breathe on a daily and weekly basis. So that, that was the first one. And then the second one was just really thinking about your hiring process. I've seen a lot of a lot of people that will only take somebody through one or two interviews and then they'll bring somebody on board. I used to do that, honestly. We used to have a very short hiring process and I actually read a really great book that made me change the way we we did this. And I, we spent a lot more time after that uh, in the hiring process and it was Entree Leadership by Dave Ramsey. I don't necessarily agree with all of his personal finance strategies, although they help a lot of people. But his leadership book was fantastic. And I got lots of good takeaways. And that was one of them is extending that hiring process, trying to get more time with that person before you bring them on board, because it's a big decision. And the the cost of churning and then rehiring and retraining, you lose lose a lot of time. So that was another another big one. And then the other thing is just recognizing that there's kind of multiple facets around you know jobs and so some people you know money is the the priority and some people it's important but it's not the top thing you know in an environment like we are now where it's tough to attract talent and attract good people but keep them think about all the ways that you contribute to that person not just from a paycheck standpoint but what are other things that you can do to really build you know, a community and a team? And a lot of times you'll see that as long as you can have the money in a spot where they're not worried about it, the other things become a bigger factor, especially when they're comparing it to other options. So that's just been a good exercise that we've continued to revisit and revisit and revisit is you know, what are we building around that? What's the total comp package or what's the total, you know, like, experience here at Builder Funnel, you know, in addition to, you know, this is my job and I get paid to do this job. What are all the other components? And I think if you can continue to solve for that, you will reduce your churn in a big, big way. So those are a few tactical takeaways. Some of those are kind of heavy lifting, you know, really got to think about them. They're not just quick fixes, but I will say they're probably some of the most important things you can work on. All right, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Danielle. I thought it was just fascinating to look back on that journey and and think about all 
all the effort and all the work that goes into growing a business. And you guys know it very well. Like it's, it's not an easy thing. You have to work at it every day. And so hopefully this was part motivation and part, you know, tactical things you can work on. All right. That's what I got for you. And we will see you next time here on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.